Praise God. We're going to dismiss our children at this time to their classes. Our children have a class right in this room downstairs, 12 and under. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Why don't you just take another moment quickly and greet, greet someone that's around you. Maybe you haven't seen, seen them yet. I'm going to invite Bishop, if he would, to come and prepare to minister to us today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. I'll start by giving you a quick report. As of today, in the state of Washington, 272,225 people have recovered from COVID-19. That's how we announce that in the house of the Lord. <laughs> My wife and I are two of those figures. Praise God. Amen. How many of us? Oh, praise God. How many recovers do we have here? Let's call this the recovery center. Praise God. I, I also recovered from a common cold and a headache. Praise God. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the blessings of God. It was mentioned by Sister Magda, the blessing of God. I'd like to talk to you today in, in part about the blessing. I think there's a, uh, a popular song that has arose. The blessing, which takes from the pretext of scripture that talks about the blessing of God. And the highlight of the song, I think, is what, have, what people have directed to is until your children and your children and your basically through the generations, children's children, the passing of the blessing of God, which is a tremendous thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. If there is a blessing, I guess I need to pose the question. Is there a cursing? We're ready to admit and acknowledge and wait upon God for his 
blessing, but I would ask you today and pose the question, is there a cursing? Now, we'll look into the word here in a minute and we'll see some things, but I want to say this to you. The blessing of God is a supernatural event. It's not an act of our natural life. It is a supernatural intervention. It's above the natural realm. It's a higher plane. It is the blessing of God. And so the blessing of God upon one's life is his supernatural involvement. And so we we would experience supernatural occurrences. The blessing of God. I was going to hold this for later, but I, I want to tell this now. We, we moved to the family farm about six years ago, five or six years ago. There was a window of two years that we had taken possession, but we were not living there. So we had tractors with keys in them. We had equipment laying around outside the shop door. I always forgot to lock I suppose there was a few times we left the house unlocked. And when I would hear from the neighbors that would say, oh, you better watch out. We've had crooks coming through here. People been stealing stuff left and right. And they would tell me their story of how people came up from this road and they at nighttime came in and broke into their barn and took all these things. And as I listened to them, I, I really couldn't join in to their uh, concerns. I would go away from the farm. I'd get in the car and I would say this. The angel of the Lord stand in this place. I can't do anything about this. This is completely out of our control. So I would say the angel of God stand in this place. I submit all this to you, Lord. And we drove away. And for years, there was no occurrences of anything being stolen that I'm aware of until recently. I had parked some trailers down at the bottom of the property. I don't want to get to the punchline on this too quick here. Our property adjoins another farm, which it's the slant of a hill, so it's kind of worthless to the neighbor. So I was parking the trailers on his property. And just a few minutes ago, when this thought was passing through my mind about the blessing of God and how he gives favor and he watches over and he has watched over. And I had this quick question come through my mind, except that uh, that winch that was stolen off of that trailer. And here's what the Lord said. 
you didn't park that trailer on your property. You parked it on the neighbor's property. I'm going home moving the trailers. I don't care how worthless that piece of property is. I'm going to get them on a, our place where the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. The blessing of God is a supernatural event. It's not an automatic just because he's God and we are humanity. But in our relationship with him, in our submission to him, in our obedience towards him and the things of the kingdom of God, it brings a supernatural occurrence. It brings supernatural intervention. It brings his mighty hand. It brings the host of heaven on our behalf. At times when he executes. Stand there and watch over this. It's the unseen. But it's there. And so we praise him and we give him glory. And we express thankfulness to him. For the blessing of God upon our life. Proverbs the 10th chapter at verse 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Genesis chapter 22 at verse 16. God had promised Abraham that he was going to bless him, give him a child. Of course, he said all these things with a barren wife. And then he opened her womb. And at 99 years old, Abraham had a son. And then it was... Let me back up. Abraham and Sarah attempted to bring the blessings of God into their life. Now, after they did that, notice, the Lord did not say, "Uh, you blew it. I told you what I was going to do. You blew it. You took it in your own hands and you tried to manage the situation. Look what you've created. This thing is a mess. He didn't do that. He came right back to his purpose and his plan and what he fully intended to do. And blessed Abraham. Gave him a child. And then he decided to take him to the next level. I want you to take that son. And go up under yonder mountain. And offer him there a sacrifice unto me. The Lord was wanting to take him to another level. Of obedience. In his obedience. And we know that a man in that situation would have crawled up that mountain in anticipation of what God had asked him to sacrifice, which in his sense was everything. But after the event 
that God brought him through. He had his peace. He had his place. It was his arm that would raise the knife. And after the event, he would come off of a mountain. What was that, the bionic man? He would have come off that mountain so full of faith that he had never walked in. God brings us to a place. I don't like to use the word test. But he brings us through situations. Not just, you think he didn't know the, end, the beginning from the end. Of course he did. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He knew what the outcome was going to be. But after he showed Abraham what the outcome would be. It would bring such significant change into the life of a man. Who would believe that God would allow a man like Job to be tested to the degree that he was tested? Event after event after event and everything was falling apart. He was losing everything, including family. And then going through this, this season of time when others looked upon him Sneered at him. What would you do wrong, man? What would you do? God is mad at you. And then come to Job's latter end. Where God, what he has always wanted to do was to heap blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And the Bible describes that the latter end of Job. Put him in a place that was greater and grander. Now, I don't know how you deal with loss. I don't know how you could have enough, receive enough, get enough, get replacement for when you've experienced great loss the way that he did. But somehow, in the, in the grace of God, he brought a man to a place. That he was better off than when he started. Again, this all comes back to a man's submission to God. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I came into this world naked. I'm going out. I'm not taking anything with me. Wow. Genesis 22 at verse 16. And said... By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. I was 
in conversation with people who were desiring that while my wife and I were in the Philippines, that I would fly to the uh, region called Mindanao. And in Mindanao, they have a lot of what's called rebels. A lot of it's mountainous country. A lot of their works, their churches are up in the mountains. And therefore, there are those that are associated with the rebels that attend those churches. While I sit here today, I recall the story from the missionary Carl Adams. Carl Adams spent time in the, in the uh, Philippines, and he went up to Mindanao and went up into those mountain areas. And uh, he talked of a time where there was a church there, small group. It wasn't a building, but it was no more than a thatched hut. But there was an assembly of believers that were there. And they were singing and they were worshiping and, and they were praising God as they did from week to week. And something got into the spirit of a rebel leader. And he became angered. And so he took a group of men up to this gathering. And with their machine guns, they threatened them to stop from what they were doing and to disband the group. And they refused. And the story as told by Carl Adams was they began to open up fire on that thatched hut with those people inside praising. In the midst of their worship, there was a blessing of God. There was a supernatural intervention by His hand to cover, to favor, to protect. Now, I've seen the clothes because Carl Adams continued to carry around the clothes that had bullet holes that had gone through the garments that the people were wearing, yet nobody died. It's the favor of God to a surrendered people, a submitted people, brings supernatural intervention. The people were called out from Egypt into a desert place. And with no provision, they were to wait on the Lord. And by God's choosing, you know, he didn't send a bunch of uh, Angus cattle by. But rather, he chose that there would be manna on the ground. Every morning. And they would go out and gather up. Of the manna that was on the ground. Every morning. So they went from eating the. Leeks and garlics in Egypt. And now they were out in a place. Now. This entire society. Went through a change. It was an abrupt change. It wasn't over the years. It was overnight. That they were no longer eating from the provision of Egypt. But they were in a desert place. 
And they were waiting on God day by day. What if it's not there tomorrow? What do we do? Can we, maybe we should get extra and put it away. No, because those that got the extra, the extra rotted and spoiled. God wanted them to be a people who would wait upon them for their daily living. And they did. A prophet of God spoke in a time. I'll go back on this. The people were giving Baal credit for their harvest. The people were crediting Baal for the weather to bring their harvest. And God is a jealous God. And see, so he decided to intervene in this situation. And he had a man of God speak and say there will be no rain. There will be no rain. And it stopped. And it didn't come back. And pretty soon the very man that said no rain was thirsty and needed a drink, but there was no water. And so he said, I want you to go to a specific place in the Ellensburg Canyon. It's a little hole by the side of the wall and I will sustain thee there. The Bible says that by the brook Kidron, there was water for him to drink. And then God spoke to birds in the sky. And the birds, you know, went off course. They were supposed to be heading south, but they went north. And by a brook, they dropped meat out of their mouths. Now, that don't sound very tasty to me. But it was God's provision. It was the blessed provision. It was the favor of God. I'm telling you, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know of the things that may be just ahead. But we have got to be able to stand on the word of God to have an assurance in our soul. God will provide. He will make a way when there is seemeth to be none. It's His hand. It's His blessing. There was another man. No, no, no. It was the same man. Because the brook dried up. What? what, what, what? Lord, Lord... What happened? Did I do something wrong? Come on, this first thing sometimes comes through our mind. What did I do wrong? God's provision seems to be drying up. When God's provision is drying up in one place, it's usually a time clock ticking off that now there's a turn and there's another direction. And this is exactly what it was. And he said, I want you to go to Zarephath. There's a lady there. She's a widow. I will cause her to sustain you. Okay. He goes to Zarephath. He sees and acknowledges the woman. And he asks, Could you please give me a drink? Could you 
please give me something to eat. And the woman responds and says, in the natural, we're out here gathering sticks. We're going to make some bread with the last little bit of meal and oil that I have. And then we're just going to lay down and die because there is no more. We have scrimped. We have saved. We have done our best. That's in the natural. And that's what life is like in the natural. I'm doing all I can. I I don't know what else to do. And it's just not working for me. And the man of God says, just make me a cake first, please. And in obedience, she did. I don't know. He may have even said it already. He may have said that the, the meal shall not waste, and the cruise of oil shall not fail. But after she made the cake and gave it to him, sacrificed it. What goes through a person's mind when they know they've gave the last? Do you go in and just lay down on the bed? For some reason... She was inspired to go back to the barrel of meal and look. It ain't much, but there's still something in there. There ain't much in that oil, but it's oil. There's a little bit. And so she made a cake and and they ate. And the next day they ate again. And the next day they ate again. The Bible says the cruise of oil did not fail. The the barrel of oil did not waste, nor did the cruise of oil fail. And provision was made until the end of the uh, famine, of the famine, of the lack of water. It didn't waste until. It's, It's a rare occasion that when the supply is so abundant, our confidence and our faith is in the supply. Rather than the provider. It's a rare occasion. And, and we will sometimes appeal to God. Man, do we have to ha- live by faith like this every day? Can't we just, you know, can't you just dump a bunch at one time so we can have a little rest? It's taxing waiting on God. It's taxing have, having faith for tomorrow. I mean, let me sell a brand new D6. Malachi chapter 3 at verse 10. We are a blessed people. I'm I'm speaking to the submitted. The submitted to God. We are a blessed people. And we know there are promises for provision. Now, you can go and read through Hebrews what is called the roll call of faith, but it starts off by telling those who were waiting on God, but their lives were taken from them. There there will be martyrs. Hello? There will be martyrs in God's plan. 
But yet there is an appointed unto man. It's appointed to man once to die. Then the judgment. We have an appointment. My wife and I haven't met our appointment. We had COVID, but we haven't met our appointment. So God brought us through with the 272 hundred ever thousand. I probably didn't say that right. You get the picture. There's an appointment. And there's times there's going to be martyrs and there are going to be those for God's purpose. Stephen, what a beautiful thing to read in the end of the thing. He had to have, if you would have stood and watched what it was happening, it may have been another thing altogether with question and why and how could you let that happen, Lord? Until we go and read the end of the thing. God had purpose in it. Malachi 3 and 10. I said earlier we were going to talk a little bit about the fact if, if there is a blessing of God, then is there a cursing? And I'm, I'm not reading those in the context of this scripture. They are the preceding verses of a people that God was challenging and saying, you are cursed with an everlasting curse. And he was telling them why they were cursed. Now, then he goes on to teach them how to ensure God's hand, God's blessing. Ensure this in your life. Let it relieve you of fear. Let it bring you peace. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a. That there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither shall they steal. What was that thing? The winch off your trailer. The New Testament example that comes to my mind is about a couple who somehow in their agreement with the body and of the Lord they were fraudulent you know we're living in a world that's fraudulent our society has become so fraudulent right now you can't hardly believe anything that you're told Anywhere, by anyone. Hopefully there's a few in your life that you've got peace with that when you con converse, you're talking the truth. But it's hard to tell. God help us with discernment. But our society has become riddled with fraud. 
And this was fraudulent behavior. And in most situations, God seems to be long-suffering, patient, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And give us time. He even sends prophets of God like he sent Nathan to King David in the privacy of a moment and declare some things unto him that would cause him to repent and cry out to God, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit that is within me. What was the name of that recording we did? What we entitled that? Strive for financial integrity. It was probably a month and a half ago. I was compelled. I called Elder Flowers and said, can you meet me at the church? I've got to record this and put it out for some people to, because somebody's in trouble. Somebody's in trouble and there's things just ahead that they don't realize the severity of it. And so we did that. And I, I, I closed the teaching, the sharing, by saying, let us strive for financial integrity. Let our yea be yea. Let our nay be nay. But let us strive for financial integrity. We want to live our lives that brings the assurance that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow to it. And that the blessing of God remain. Let me say it again. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know the direction of our society that can turn on a dime. I was talking to some believers uh, during that time we were in the Philippines. And they told me. I, we were talking about Mindanao. They had been down to Mindanao and come back, and they were talking about the environment. And I said, man, I wasn't interested in going there because of everything I was hearing. He said, oh, no, no, no. They have enacted martial law. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They said, no, 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 that's good. What do you mean that's good? Oh, at midnight, you can go out into the city. It doesn't matter. You can go anywhere and you feel so safe because there's military presence everywhere. You see, it was before that it was all in the hands of the rebels. And, and people stole from each other. And they killed each other. But because of the martial law, it was safe. <laughs> I never would have anticipated such a thing. But that was something that was enacted overnight. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Do you remember when people rushed to the stores? <laughs> and the things that became unavailable. Like immediately. You know, when we lived over in Puyallup, any time a windstorm was coming, same thing would happen. People would panic. They'd go to the stores. They'd clean the shelves off. It's the wind. 
But over there, there's lots of trees, and so when the wind blows hard, it knocks the trees over, it knocks the power out, and so these things happen. But we got used to seeing and hearing, oh, they've been, oh my goodness, what are, what's wrong with these people? They're emptying their shelves because the wind is coming, a storm or an ice storm. What would happen? What would it look like if that was multiplied a hundred times? If something so severe took place, was enacted in our country, what would the people do? They'd clean the shelves. You'd start growing a garden in your kitchen. We can put pots here. We can put pots there. Just keep them watered. Keep the light on them. And and wait for them to bring a bean or something. Sugar snap peas. Our confidence, our faith is not in the world. It's not in a world system. Our faith and our confidence is in the blessing of God who cares and who loves us as a people as we live our lives surrendered to him. You cannot store up enough. Somebody sent me a video. And because I have some regard for the individual, I decided to watch part of it. And this guy was talking about all these things that were going to happen in the next couple of days. So I'm listening. I'm watching, um, discerning, is this guy a nutcase or what? I tried to listen to it long enough so that if need be, I could at least respond to the person it sent to me. Did it move me to a direction of fear, of hiding, of hoarding? Of No, it didn't do that. But it did cause me to think. I've been in places around the world where they have lived under these conditions that came to them overnight. Do you know that the, the Guzmans have been shut up, shut away? I forget how many weeks it is now in Italy. And he has described that there are times that he looks out of the window and there is a strong military presence now in the streets. They have armored cars going, or armored vehicles going up and down the streets. There are soldiers there. It wasn't like that before. I remember I was in Tokyo, Japan, and had a window of time during the day to where I could go and walk down these streets, and it was nice. It was enjoyable, but I I couldn't help. It was interesting. You know, they have like a two-taxi system. They got the little yellow taxi. That's the cheap taxi. And then they've got blue taxis that are like Toyota Cressidas. Cressida, you remember that car? That was the high-end Toyota car, and they drive with white gloves. The taxis. And, and I said, what's the difference between the two? Oh, they cost a lot more there. You buy the cheap one or you buy that one. You know. And so as I'm walking down, I'm realizing as I'm walking in and out of businesses, there are soldiers walking in and out of the businesses with me. And as I looked down the street, it was like you could not get out of sight of a soldier. Now, there was no... Uh, There was no occurrences taking place. There was no great. This is something every day in this prefecture, I think they call it. 
It's just the way they live because it keeps the people safe. I don't know if I've ever talked about this in services. And I don't know where it all fits. But I think it's time to pay attention, first of all, where we are with him. Checking all areas of our life, where we are with him. And live our lives in a way that is submitted to him, to the direction of his word, that the blessing of God remain. Elder Flowers. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. These are critical things. These are critical things that he's shared with us. I want to just share two things quickly with you. When he mentioned about the fraudulent society that we live in, over the last week or so, the Lord has, has kind of talked to me in this way, and he used this term safe space. And I almost chuckled to myself because over the last year or so, that has become a, uh, a term that it was like, oh, somebody's going to get their feelings hurt. We need to make a safe space for them, you know, and can't got to be careful. And, you know, if you go in that room, nobody's going to say anything mean to you. That, that was kind of the context that we heard that term mostly. But what, what the Lord showed me or what I feel like he told me is we need a safe space. The church not say not not like we're in danger of you know some terrible tragedy happening but because of the things like a fraudulent nature and when all of a sudden if you are told if if we are bombarded with any message we need a place where we can go and know i'm going to hear the truth here i'm going to hear the actual you know, word. Of, here's what I would say. I'm going to hear the word of faith because the word of faith is far more important than whatever fact you might hear or, or be presented with in such a way that it sounds like a fact. And so I felt the Lord say, we need to commit. Every individual needs to commit to knowing there is a place where I can go. There are people that I can talk to. It's the body of Christ. And they are go we are going to preserve one another. Look out for one another. Keep one another. I'm telling you all this, and you're here today. But I'm telling you this, not just for you, but so you can start to share this message. It is a part of the gospel, okay? It is apostolic to go to another person and say, I need to share the truth with you. I'm looking out for you. I have a burden for you to make sure that you are hearing and receiving the truth. What would happen, what, what would happen if we were told not only we're not going to have church next week, we can't have gatherings or whatever. I'm just being hypothetical, okay, but I, I want to make this point. If we were told no more gatherings of any kind for any religious organizations, 
Not in the building, not in your house, not at the coffee shop, nowhere. It's not, you, you can't do that anymore. What if we were told that? Not only that, but we're going to take, I know that you have this man called an elder and you have this man called a bishop and we have his email address and his phone number and we're going to make sure you can't get any communication from him. I'm being hypothetical and I'm not trying to scare you. I, re I, re I remember, and this is the second thing that I wanted to share. It was Brother Tomyev, who was, is, he's a missionary. He's been all over the Soviet Union back when it was the Soviet Union. And they were told, you're not meeting. You can't. That church building is closed. And you're not allowed to gather in people's houses. And what I, 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 there's a lot of details about it, but what I remember him saying was the only way we knew where to go and when to go there was when God told us. And he said we didn't, we couldn't go to the same person's house every week on Friday night at seven o'clock or they would know. We couldn't go over here and meet every Monday at two o'clock or they would know. He said you had to hear from God and go as you followed the direction that God told you. And if you weren't hearing from God, you were not fellowshipping with the body. If you weren't hearing from God, you were cut off from that source. Now, that's, it's striking, I know, and I, I, I'm, I'm praying that the Lord does not get us anywhere near that. None of us wants to see that. But it's the, it's the message. It's, it's the, the point of the fact. I need to hear from God. I need to know that my brothers and my sisters are hearing from God. And I, I want to share. I, I want to make sure. Oh, okay. Brother Timothy, you can stop the recording. Bishop, I'm going to give you your phone pack. <laughs>